I played drums growing up. That was the instrument I cut my teeth on. And there's something you learn more quickly as a drummer than some of the other instruments. And what you learn is rhythm doesn't exactly come as easily to some people as others. Some people are actually rhythmically challenged. I know, I know even some of you guys are because I see you trying to clap to the songs at church. I see you guys. Yeah, I hear you clapping off tempo. Some of us just have rhythmic challenges. But the idea of rhythm, it, it's not even just like this drum concept. You start to see that the whole world is like made up the, of these rhythms. So right now, your body is operating with a circadian rhythm. It's telling you when to wake up and when to go to bed. You think of the seasons. They follow a rhythm, summer, fall, winter, spring. The only thing is Colorado doesn't follow those rhythms at all, if you haven't noticed. We had 82 degrees last week, and then it snowed yesterday. So welcome to Colorado, everybody. We don't follow that, that deal. But it's amazing because even research has shown if you start having a conversation with somebody, you will actually start to get in rhythm with them. Your facial expressions will start to match the tone and the pace of the talk, and you will actually get synchronized up with another person. You know, there are just rhythms everywhere. Stoplights, school years, the solar patterns, nature itself, just rhythms everywhere. Now, as much as there seem to be these predictable rhythms to the way the world works, so many times our lives don't feel like they follow any real rhythm. Like, life so often feels like it's just out of sorts and it doesn't follow any predictable pattern. I know so many of us in here, your week might follow like a traditional kind of Monday through Friday week. So right now it's Sunday. You're going to kind of get ready for the week today. So you, maybe you're going to go shopping after this, get some groceries, kind of get organized, get everything settled in. And you're going to kind of have this moment of, oh, I'm ready for another week. I'm going to get through this thing. And then you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And one of your kids is going to start vomiting all over the place. And you got to figure out, what do I do to take care of this kid? Because then i got to get to work and drop the other ones off at school. And then you get to work. And none of the projects or the things are working the way you wanted. And your boss is cranky. And then you're all put off by that. And then you have a weird phone call with a family member that drags you into all this weird family drama that you wanted no part of. And then you got to do that. And then you start driving home from work. And there's a weird rattle sound in your car. And you start wondering, I wonder how much this is going to cost. Because now i got to schedule the car drop off. And then how am I going to get around? Because now we're down to one vehicle with the whole family. And then you got to drop this one kid off at practice. And then two games there. And then we got to figure this out. And then you get home and the internet's not working at the house. So then you can't even do the work you're supposed to do that you didn't get done at your job. You can't even stream the show you wanted to watch at night. And then you binge watch some social media just to be able to fall asleep. And then you wake up and it's Tuesday. <laughs> is this just my week? Am I only describing my week right now? I don't know if anybody else is having this experience. Um, you guys are my counseling. I don't want to pay for it. So you're, you're my people. I look at most people's lives and it just feels out of rhythm. Like you're just constantly responding to the unexpected scenarios and responsibilities and emergencies, and you're just kind of surviving through life. Now, last week we started this new series we are calling Pause. And I'm trying to make a case that I actually think we are at somewhat of a crisis point in our culture when it comes to our, our emotional, our mental, and our spiritual sustainability. And many times when we get into these modes, we are very tempted to point at the circumstances of our lives. Like here are all the issues I need to fix before I can really experience like real rest and I can calm down. But I'm also trying to make a case that it's not really the circumstances, it's us. And we need to change from the inside out if we're gonna experience anything that God wants for us because this is the invitation, everybody. 
We introduced this last week. Jesus makes a profound invitation in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. So God's desire is to give you real soul equilibrium. True rest. He's not just trying to get you to maintenance mode. He's not just trying to help you survive. He's not even just trying to give you relief from all the responsibilities in your life. He is trying to give you a rest that goes down to the very core of who you are, regardless of the circumstances happening around you. Now, I would love to have some of that. That sounds pretty good to me. And last week after introducing it, today we want to start answering this question. Okay, if that's the offer, how do we get that? How do you start tapping into that kind of rest where you can feel that sense of comfort and peace in your daily life? That's what we're going to dig in today. And to do it, we got to go all the way back to the beginning, everybody. we got to start from page one and see how this thing unfolds in God's storyline. So if you're new to the Bible, you see in the earliest pages this introduction to just the whole creation story. And it's kind of incredible because it says basically God speaks. He says, let there be and just planets and galaxies and stars start to come into existence. And then God says, let there be. And there's elephants and dolphins and giraffes. Definitely not mosquitoes. There were not mosquitoes in the original creation. That came after sin. I don't know why mosquitoes exist, but that's a problem. So we got to solve that, God. But God says, let there be. And there's mankind. Men, women, the human race comes into form. And God steps back and he takes a look at this whole thing. He goes, man, this is very good. There's some real good stuff here. Like, like, good job, God. You did pretty good. And it is kind of incredible because, you know, we can make brownies, but God can make a universe. Like, he's got some game. And so he puts us all together. He's impressed. But there's something that comes next after all this. And anybody in here, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're just not going to appreciate this at all because you've read it too much. You're too familiar. So wherever you're at, you need to look at this with some fresh eyes of how unexpected this is, how unprecedented, how profound that this would be how things unfold. Genesis 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Did you catch it? God rested. God rested. You should go, God rested? What does God have any business doing resting? Does he get tired? Like, is he working an extra shift at Amazon delivering packages? Like, what is God tired from? What business does he have resting? And this is what's funny to me. God rests. You know how many people I talk to who say they don't have time to, to rest and take days off? You know, people I talk to, they're like, well, here's the thing, we got little kids and they're in diapers and they're just pooping everywhere and we're just in that crazy season. I'm like, God rested though. And then people will be like, well, no, here's the thing, I got a business, I got employees, I got a lot of things going on, I'm kind of doing all these things. It's like, well, I mean, God's running the universe, he rested. You running the universe? You, you, you talk to other people and they're just like, well, no, I got a type A person, I'm a driver, just like, kind of like the grind, that's kind of what I do, Brian. It's like, God rested. I love this one. Well, no, no, here's the thing, Brian. The devil doesn't take a day off, so I'm not taking one off. Do you want to be on his team? 
last time I checked, he's the bad guy, and he loses. Like, that, that's not exactly what we're trying to do right here. I just got a question for some of us in this room. Are you busier than God? You have more going on than him? He created the universe in a week. What did you do last week? Anybody want to make comparisons with God's work schedule and what he has going on? Now, you, we know this. This can't be because God was tired. It's not like his back was hurting like some of us after a long week. And it's not even that God is anti-work. He's just pro-rest. And what's so incredible is the God of the universe takes a day to sit back and just enjoy the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of this creation that he made. But it doesn't stop there. This is where things go to a whole other level. So follow me with this. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, wow. First time in the whole Bible we get introduced to this concept that is often called Sabbath. Now, maybe you've heard this term before, maybe you haven't. It's actually a Hebrew word that means stop. Sabbath means to stop. It actually has a double meaning, though. Some words can mean two things at once. You know what Sabbath also means? To delight. Now, we'll talk about it in the coming weeks, so that's pretty cool. But God takes a day, and he infuses it with this special power and significance. Now, for any lifelong Bible nerd church attenders right now, you are about to learn something you have never heard before in your life. I can guarantee you're about to get new information today. And for anybody who gets bored church and easily, this is the moment you're going to be tempted to be bored, okay? So please stay awake with me for two minutes. Give me two minutes because I think you might find this interesting. Um, it says, God blessed this day. Now, Here's what's so unbelievable about that. There's only three things got, that got blessed in the creation story. Just three. The first two might not surprise you. Animals and humans were the first two things to get blessed. Now, wrapped up in this blessing, God always attached it to these words where he'd say, hey, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So somewhere wrapped up in this blessing from God is this ability and commitment to bringing life and new vitality to the world. Like there's this restorative aspect to this blessing. But then God blesses a day. A day. God blesses this day of rest that we call Sabbath. And here's what scholars would say. That God, in some profoundly supernatural way, is actually infusing a day with life-giving potential. He actually gives a day an ability to bring new life and vitality to his creation. It's blessed. Now, if you haven't fallen asleep yet, stay with me. Second thing, he says it's holy. He says this day is holy. This is the first time anything is described as holy in the entire Bible, and it's a day. Now, this is what's so interesting about this. At this moment in time in the ancient Near East, there were tons of different people groups that had different religions and worshipped different gods, and they had holy things too. But everything that was holy in every single other religion was a place, a location. Temples, places to do sacrifices and all that. God completely flips the entire narrative. He says, no, I'm not blessing a place. I'm blessing time. 
I'm not going to bless a particular space. I'm going to bless and make holy a day. And this is what is so different about this because when you really think about it, all of creation is God's, right? You know, we say the heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, so he can be found anywhere. He's like, you're not going to limit me to any single place. But he's like, what I am going to do is I'm going to set apart a day where I want you to stop. And I actually want you to rest. And I'm going to infuse this day with supernatural, life-giving, soul-restoring potential. And so what God does from the very beginning of creation itself is he institutes a holy, sacred rhythm. God bakes this rhythm into reality. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. And this has been a steady beat throughout all of history. There's a rhythm that God has hardwired into nature itself. Now, I'll show you how this is so powerful. There have been nations throughout history that have actually tried to change the rhythm, and they tried to subvert it. So way back in 1793, uh, France, during the French Revolution, tried to institute a 10-day work week. Anybody want to vote for that, by the way? Anybody want 10 days of work? <laughs> that sounds terrible. I don't know who voted for that. But 10-day work week. And they were trying to boost productivity to get the country back working again. And what they found out was mental illness suicide and all sorts of issues completely skyrocketed skyrocketed and productivity went through the ground. It was a total failure. Didn't work at all. They actually had to revert back to the seven-day rhythm after that. Russia tried the same thing. They tried an eight-day work week and it completely plummeted every single thing they were going for. They tried to break the rhythm. Now, swing the pendulum to the other side. Maybe some of you guys have heard of this group. They're called Seventh-day Adventists. Now, this is like a Christian denomination in the camp, and they take Sabbath very seriously. You could argue too seriously. But here's what they found about Seventh-day Adventists. The average Adventist lives 11 years longer than the typical person. 11 years. Now, that's not the incredible piece. You know what one day of rest every seven days adds up to over a lifetime? 11 years. So there's something crazy happening where there actually seems to be this life-giving power to this rhythm of rest that God instituted. So powerful that even if you take a day of rest, it gets added back to your life. It's that powerful. So here's the case, everybody. There is an undeniable principle that has been baked into reality itself, and is this. There is a rhythm of rest. There's a rhythm of rest. Now, everybody in here, you're living by a rhythm right now. There's a rhythm you're living to. Now, Solon hasn't scheduled me to drum in a while, so I thought I'd bring my own sticks here for church because he won't let me play drums as often. He says, Brian, you're not good enough, okay? So I got cut from the band. Um, he also said, don't press any of these buttons here because you're going to break it, so I'm going to press all of them. Okay, let's turn that up. Oh, yeah, more cowbell, please. Bring that cowbell in. Now, some of you guys might not know, the reason why the band all has these things in their ears, this is what they hear when they're playing on the stage so they can all stay synced up in rhythm. Now, God 
has a rhythm. There's this rhythm that's been beaten throughout history. A rhythm of work and rest. I can tell who has the rhythm. You're already doing this. I see the rhythm people. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. You guys are going to like this. Who wants to have some fun right now for just a minute? We're going to have a little bit of fun. Come on, let's have some fun with this. I need some crowd encouragement. All right. So there's a rhythm. I'm going to try and do this at the same time. Let me put my headphones in here. And God says, I want you to sync up with my rhythm. And I got to plug in so I can hear it. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's what we do. Life gets going. And you grow spiritually like, oh, I hear it. God's got a rhythm to this thing. You want to hear what your life sounds like? This is what happens when God's rhythm comes into your life, but you do your thing. And this is why your life is a mess. That's what your life sounds like to God. You're not in rhythm at all. It doesn't sound good. But there's a moment when you start to learn this principle, okay, God's got a rhythm for my life. And you start to catch it. are doing better than first service, by the way. Thank you so much for that. But now, here's what's so cool about God's rhythm, though. You can bring your own personality to the rhythm, too. This isn't some straitjacket. Some of you guys in here, you actually are more type A, driven, busy, and you kind of like a full schedule. So you live into God's rhythm a little different. This is kind of what your rhythm sounds like. you. You're intense, but you're still in rhythm. You're still in rhythm, though. Now, where's, where are my chill people at? You're just laid back. You don't stress. Like, you can be in rhythm, too, but it just sounds a little different. This is what you kind of sound like. And that's your vibe. You're, you're more chill. All right, we'll stop there. Otherwise, I'll go the rest of the church service just drumming. Here, here's what I'm trying to get at, though, everybody. God has a rhythm. And it's not meant to trap you. It's not meant to drain you. It's not some sort of rule you need to follow. He's saying, I got a rhythm to reinvigorate your soul. I want to restore what's inside of you. I want to refill your tank so you don't just survive this life. You can actually thrive and be living out of an overflow of rest in your life. This is what God's trying to say. So I'm wondering, though, how would you answer this question right now? Do you 
have a rhythm of rest that restores your soul. Do you have that in your life right now? I'm not asking if you have a day off. I'm not asking if you take vacation. I'm saying, do you actually have a rhythm you're living into where you can tell that God is refilling you in every single way? Because this is what God is trying to do. Now, this is not just some verse at the beginning of the Bible that we kind of forget about. I want you guys to see, this is a massive theme that God is very serious about. I'm sure many of us in this room, you're familiar with God's top 10 list, right? The top 10 things for God, the baseline reality, we call this the 10 what? Commandments, right? 10 commandments. And some of these are pretty understandable. Hey, don't murder people. This is a pretty good one, right? Don't steal stuff. Don't lie. Like, you read them, you're like, that makes sense. Like, those are probably good things I should follow. But people don't realize there's one command in the whole list that is out of place. It doesn't fit. It doesn't really make sense. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is number four on the list. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Again, God's not anti-work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Okay, whoa. Sabbath is a top ten thing for God. And interestingly, it's the only thing in the Ten Commandments that is a spiritual practice. And out of any spiritual practice God could institute, it wasn't prayer, it wasn't church attendance, though I would love for you to come back. Please come back to our church. Um, it's not that. It's not giving. It's rest. Rest is so critical. He's like, I need to put it in my top ten list. And this is as far is most people go in the Christian church. This is where we get it wrong. Because here's what you guys say. You say, oh, okay, cool, Brian. Yeah, I need a day off. I am kind of stressed out. I need a break. I'm going to go schedule a vacation next week. And I'm going to do that thing. And then you stop there. And that's not all we're saying. Because I know everybody in here, you have days off. You do. You have days you don't have to be in the office. You have those days where you kind of have a little bit of a free schedule. But you don't have a Sabbath. You don't have a true Sabbath. You have a day off, but you don't have a Sabbath. Here's what I mean. Most of us, this is what your day or days off look like. Okay, well, hey, we got a time here, so uh, I got to run to the store, pick up some groceries over here, and then I'm going to drop that one kid off at practice over there, and then we got a game we got to get to over here, and then I got to catch up on some bills, and then I got to call a couple people, and then I have a couple emails I just want to get in and then finish the budget, and then I got to get to the end of the day, and by the time I get to the end of the day, I'm so exhausted from my day off, I need to binge watch four hours of TV to recover from my day off. That... That doesn't sound very restful to me. You, you probably wouldn't use the words blessed and holy to describe your days off, typically. That's not what we would do. And this is why God says, you need to remember this. Because we are so prone to forget how to actually rest in a way that restores our soul. We can do days off, but we don't know how to rest. Now, this has been my story. I've been in church a long time, everybody. I've been to a lot of church services. I have to go to two a week at least, okay? You only have to go to one. Um, I've been to seminary. I've sat in boring classes for years talking about all sorts of theological concepts. And somehow, through my whole Christian life, maybe it's because of the camps I was in or whatever, I never really heard a clear message about Sabbath and rest, really. I mean, yeah, I've heard of the day off message. Yeah, you need a rest. But I never understood what it meant to be in rhythm with God. Never understood it. 
But then I learned something that is true of every single person here. This is an unavoidable principle that God has worked into the fabric of creation. And it is this. Rest will come as delight or discipline. You're going to rest. But it's going to come in some form in your life. And I learned this lesson the hard way. See, when I went to college, I actually discovered a drug that I had never really taken before. And I was aware of it. I knew other people were on it, but it was never something I really tried seriously myself. So I get to college, and I start experimenting with this drug, and I got absolutely addicted, hooked. You know what this drug was? Work. Now, hold on. I know you hear that, and you're like, what, Brian? Because you don't have a workaholism problem. You actually have a lazy problem, right? That's another sermon, all the lazy people in the room. I'm coming for you later, okay? I'll get you. But some of you in this room, you actually know what I'm talking about. You get high off the hustle. Like you live for the grind. That sense of adrenaline you get just from productivity, like it is like a shot into your veins. And I don't know what it was in college. Maybe it was my dorm at all these ridiculous, stupid, overachieving kids that I had to live with or what, and my competitive gene came out. But I went to a level that was just so unsustainable and unhealthy. It became like a game. It was like, how many credit hours and how many hours can I work and how little sleep can I get where I was even trying to minimize as much sleep as possible. And it just became this unbelievably intense season of work. Now, there was a breaking point, though, with all of this. Because all through college, there was a weird pattern. I would get home from semesters, and my entire body would fall apart. Like, completely. I needed multiple surgeries during this time. I got a serious case of pneumonia that totally knocked me out for a season. I was constantly sick when I was taking small breaks from school. And I never really noticed the pattern to that. And I would just kind of get healed up, and I would go for another sprint and just go hard. But then everything took a shift at one moment. I was finishing up seminary, again, going hard, working full time, preparing for a wedding. Nicole and I were in the middle of getting ready for all that, buying a house, getting ready to move, working in ministry, all these things. And I stopped by my mom's house at one point before I was moving. And nobody was home at the time. And this had never happened to me before. I collapsed on the floor. And I was just laying there. And for the first time in my life, I was genuinely concerned. Because I was laying there and I'm thinking, oh no, I am 24 years old. And there is no way I'm going to be able to keep this up for 40 more years. And I ain't got enough money to retire right now, so I don't even know what I'm going to do with this. Like, it actually freaked me out a little bit. And what I didn't realize at the time, I didn't have language for it, but now what I see what happened in that season is, I fried my soul. I actually burnt myself to a crisp. And I did real damage to myself that even took years to repair. And this is what I discovered. And this is what you will discover too. You will either choose rest or rest will choose you. You will either rest voluntarily or you will rest involuntarily. And since I was not stopping to delight in the rest that God wanted for me, rest became painful discipline in my life that got expressed through really serious health issues and total exhaustion. 
This is an unavoidable principle. You can't get around it. You won't be able to beat it. I want you to see how baked in this really is, though. You've got to see how serious God is about it. There's a moment in history, God gives the nation of Israel the promised land. He brings them to a whole new geographical location. He's like, I want this to be a season of rest and peace for you. I don't want you to be slaves anymore. I don't want you to struggle. So they enter this land, but there's a problem. They fail to live into the rhythms of God. They totally disregard his design, and they don't get to rest as delight. They get rest as discipline. And God sends the whole nation into exile. Literally, he just moves the whole nation into another place. And you're like, okay, cool, they sinned, they messed up. God's holding them accountable. There's one verse in the Bible that maybe you've never caught before correlated to this whole event, though. 2 Chronicles 36, 21. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation, it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. The land rested? I, I thought this was about Israel getting punished for their sin. What are we doing talking about land resting? Do you see how big of a deal this is? These people were so out of rhythm with God that he had to physically remove them from the land to allow the land to catch up on the rest it wasn't getting because these people's rhythms were destroying it. That's how big of a deal this is. So, Sabbath, rest, it's up to you. You're either going to experience it as a delight or as discipline. It's either going to be like a massage to your soul or a smack to the face. That's what it's going to be. So, I kind of recovered from that little burnout moment at 24. I got back into this crazy cycle and just going so hard. And it was at 30 years old when there was another breaking point. Right when I turned 30, Nicole had our second child. And she had some severe medical needs. We were in the hospital all the time doing all these treatments. Really stressful season. Well, in the middle of this, for some reason, we thought it'd be a good idea to start a business too. Because why not? We weren't stressed out enough. And I was already working full-time in ministry, so why not just add more to your plate? I mean, right? We got time. We don't need to sleep. And we, we started slipping into this, the crazy cycle again. And I recognized it this time. I was like, oh, no. This is starting to feel a lot like when I was 24 years old. And I'm like, this is now not just me that is going to be laying on the floor. This is going to affect my wife and my kids. We got to figure something out. And I had no idea what to do. I truly didn't have any language or concept for it. I went away on a missions trip, and I came across this podcast where this pastor talked about this concept of Sabbath. Now, again, I've been to seminary and church. I've done all this stuff, but I heard it in a way that I had never heard it before in my life. It was so clear. It was so practical, so compelling. And I went home to Nicole. I said, babe, we are going to Sabbath. It's going to solve all our problems. I just listened to a 30-minute talk on it. I have all the answers. We're going to fix our lives. And so I'm all excited about it. I'm like unplugging devices and lighting candles and like making this whole scene out of it. And Nicole's like, what is wrong? Like she was genuinely concerned. She's like, what is wrong with my husband? He's, something's wrong, but I'm, I'm going to play along. Um, and so we attempted our first ever genuine Sabbath. And guess what? It was terrible. It was horrible. 
I hated every minute of it. I was like, what is this stupid? What am I supposed to do, to stare at a wall and watch paint dry? What are we doing? I ain't got time to waste. So I'm ending up back at my computer checking email. Nicole's stressing about how messy the house is. We still have kids running around screaming and pooping all over the place. Like, it was drama. And I was like, I want to go back to work. Work is way better than this. And so that's what we did. We quit. We're like, this is dumb. This doesn't work. This must be some Old Testament Jewish thing. This is not for us. And so that was it. And we went back to our, our crazy cycle. And it was a couple months after that, Nicole actually sat me down. She's like, babe, we need to do something. Like, this is a crisis for our family. We cannot sustain our lives as they are right now. And, and it's really starting to wear, wear us down. And so Nicole was the one who drove it. She's like, we need to figure this out. So we actually started reading some books. We were listening to podcasts. We really did our homework on this thing. And for the last four years, we have had fits and starts and struggles and trials and learning and mistakes. And what I can tell you is after four years of trying to figure out a rhythm of rest in our own lives, we can finally tell you that we are starting to just taste this unbelievable gift of rest from God. This unbelievable soul-restoring practice of getting in rhythm with him, and it has been transforming our lives in ways I never could have imagined or expected. God says, remember this thing. Do not forget it. And he even gives a reason for it after that commandment. He said, you need to remember the Sabbath. But in verse 11, back in Exodus, he says this, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That should sound familiar to you, that line. Because he's pointing back to the Genesis 2 account that we just read at the top of the story. And he's making an argument, saying the reason you need to care about this is because God has embedded it into the very way the world operates. Again, it's an undeniable principle. And you, as an image bearer of God, carrying some of his own nature and presence in your life, you now are called and designed to live into this same rhythm. God has given you a gift, a gift of rest, this thing called the Sabbath, so you can be in rhythm with him. This is the amazing thing about it, but I had to add this to the message because I know some people are wondering. People ask these questions around this topic. They say, well, hold up, Brian. Is Sabbath still a command? Like, hold on. What are we doing talking about Sabbath? Like, isn't that some Old Testament command? Like, didn't Jesus kind of change the way we're supposed to relate to all this? Like, what are we even doing? You know, am I not allowed to turn lights on for a day? Or how does this work? And most scholars would argue that because of what Jesus has done in fulfilling, you know, the Old Testament law and all that, he definitely changes the way we relate to rest and Sabbath. Absolutely, in some profound ways. It's not the same exactly. I would grant you that. But again, for any of the real Bible people in here, let me press on you just a little bit. If you're somebody who's just kind of like, I think that's just stuff that we're not supposed to worry about. Um, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Are there any of the other Ten Commandments you want to throw out? Anybody okay with murder in here? Anybody want to go back to that? 
You think that's a good idea? Anybody wants to just start stealing? Think that's a good idea? Lying? You think that's a good idea? So, so why do we just get to throw this one away? And Jesus, his whole life, he actually lived into the rhythm of Sabbath. It was part of his practice. He didn't do any of the dumb legalistic stuff that the religious leaders were pushing. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But there was never a point in his life where he said, oh, Sabbath, yeah, that's a dumb Old Testament thing. Don't do that. He never disregarded it. At the same point, though, Sabbath is rooted in the creation story. That's important. Any time the Bible uses the creation story for a theological argument, it is making a case that this is by design. You can't break this. Like, it's built into the fabric of reality itself. Now, here's my personal position. You're free to disagree with me, by the way. There, there's Christians in all different camps who argue this differently. If you were to ask me after the service today, Brian, where do you stand? What, what is your position? Here's what I would say. I believe Sabbath, a rhythm of rest with God, is a timeless principle God has worked into the way we are designed to operate. So we ignore it at our own peril. You can disregard this, but I'm telling you, you're going to experience the consequences. I have. Or you can step into it and try and find this rhythm of God, and I believe it will bring some of that rest for your soul that God wants for you. But I'd ask you this one question too. If you're somebody that's like, okay, whatever, Brian, I get it. It's not a big deal. Why wouldn't you want this? God's like, hey, take a day and chill. Don't work. You should be like, thank you, God. I like this Christianity thing. This is a good deal. These are one of the fun commands. Like, this should be something you actually want to do. This is a fun one. So I think all of us should at least be willing to say, okay, I'd be willing to give this a try. So I want to finish here with a couple minutes talking about getting in rhythm. How do you actually get in rhythm with God then? How can you start to practice this? I don't expect you to apply this in four hours or four days. It has taken me four years to tweak this. So I know some of us, you're going to mess up. You're going to have fits, you're going to have starts, but one day you might be desperate enough where you're going to need this like I did. So I want to help some of you here today. How do you get in rhythm? Here's what I would say, based on just a quick understanding of the Sabbath. You have to mark a finish line in your week. Sabbath means stop. No more. And you need a moment in the rhythm of your work where you say, this is where I stop. This is my finish line. When I cross that, I'm done. Like there's no more work to do. There's no more grinding. There's no more hustle. And what I found is if you don't define that moment in your work rhythm, everything just kind of seeps into it. You just start doing all those day off activities, right? You know, going to the store, taking care of all things, doing all the chores and everything that still drains your soul, but you don't have other time to do it. And you just have to mark it. Now, for Jews, this was like a Friday night to Saturday night thing. They were very legalistic about it. And you see in the New Testament, there's a lot of freedom around here. It's more about the principle of living into a rhythm of rest. So for Nicole and I, we have like a Sunday through Friday work schedule. You know, I am working right now in case you're wondering. Okay, <laughs> trust me, this is work. And um, Friday, 5 p.m. is my finish line. I have that to look forward to every single week because I don't know if you guys have noticed this. The work is never done. Have you ever gotten to the end of the week and said, I have nothing left to do. I've done everything. There's nothing left. No. You're like, there's a hundred things more, even though I just shoveled everything out for the last six days. So you need a moment. And 5 p.m. Friday, I say, I'm done. I'm done. No more work to do. It's time to just shut it all down. 
and I mark it right there. And what's so cool is when you mark a finish line, guys, it's like running a race. When you see that finish line, you start getting so excited. Thursday, I start getting giddy. I'm like, oh yeah, Friday is coming, everybody. I'm about to chill. This is going to be good. Like when you mark it, you have something to look forward to no matter how good or bad the week is. So where's your finish line? Do you have a moment in your rhythm where you're like, that's where I stop. That's where I cross the finish line. I get to stop running. But there's a second piece to this. It's not just about the stop. Look at this. Define what is work to you and do not do it. Okay, this is the best thing about the command right here. God's like, you don't get to work on this day. That's the only thing you, you, that I command you to do, not work. Now, this is what's interesting about this. Work is a relative term. Work to one person is play to another. Some of you in here, I don't understand you, but you enjoy yard work. What is wrong with you? What is wrong? There'll be prayer at the front after the service. I don't get you at all. Nicole, com Nicole comes up to me and she's like, babe, let's make a garden. And I'm like, how about we don't do that ever? Because that's work. I'm not doing that after five on Friday. No. So what's work to you? And work is anything that just drains your soul. You know when something's work. You feel it. And God says, you get one day where you just get a pass on all that. Turn off the hustle for one day. So for me, you know, I'm in front of a computer a lot, you know, doing a lot of things and whatever. For me, work is all the notifications that come through the phone and the computer and all the devices. That just feels like work to me. The dings and the rings and the buzzes. So I have an automatic thing on my phone that actually at 5 p.m. on Friday turns off all my notifications. So no more red dots, no more noises and all that kind of thing. And for me, it's just like a, like I just get a little bit of respite from just the chaos of responding to all the demands all the time. So for me, that's work. And I turn it off and I stop it. You might have to, if you live with any family members, you have a spouse or anything like that, you may have to have a conversation of how you define work with them. Because one of the issues Nicole and I ran into was what she thought was not work and not an issue, for me was absolutely soul crushing. So dishes. Every Sabbath, Nicole's like, we got to catch up on the dishes. Look at this absolute mess. And I'm like, how about we don't do that? And it turned into fights about the dishes. So now we have an agreement. We have a Sabbath sink. And what this means is we can allow the dishes to pile up as high as they're going to go, totally guilt-free. I actually took a picture of our sink yesterday to show you, and Nicole said, you will not show that to this church. Absolutely not. So it was a really good picture, by the way. The dishes were super high and disgusting. It was awesome. But for me, dishes are work. I don't want to clean dishes. I don't want to load the dishwasher. I don't even want to put it away. I just want to throw it on the counter and call it a day. And guess what? It's bliss just throwing dishes on the counter and in the sink and not caring. And for one day, we get a free pass on dishes. So you might need to talk to some people. Hey, what's work? What's the one thing? What do you get permission just to turn off for one day? Tidying up the house, doing certain chores. Maybe it's going to the store. You hate going to the store. But it's like, hey, for one day, I just don't want to have to step inside a store or do something. So whatever it is, you define it and then don't do it. And you will love it. Trust me. Now, number three, though, define what is rest to you and do it. Now, this is the gift that God has given us. You see, just like work is kind of a relative term, rest is relative too. But it's anything that restores your soul, that you just love to do. Those things that you just lose track of time because it just, 
you just enjoy it. And God says, take a day and just fill it with that stuff. So for you weird yard work people, have at it. Go start pulling some weeds. Mow your lawn. Like, plant a garden. I don't care. I'm not going to do that. But you get, go have a great time. So, like, what's rest for you, though? And it could be so many different things. Some of you guys, you love to get outdoors. You want to go get in nature. You want to go do something active. Maybe some of us, you're more of a chill person. You just want to hang out, watch a good movie, eat some good food. You know what some restful stuff for me is? Loose waistbands. No belts, no buttons on the Sabbath. Loose pants, totally comfy clothes, no guilt about looking like, you know, like you don't care about anything at all. And I just love it. Calories don't count on the Sabbath for Nicole and I. We eat like literally calories don't count. I don't want to tell you what I ate yesterday. I can't believe I'm still standing. I ate so much sugar yesterday. It was unbelievable, and I loved it. To the glory of God, I ate that sugar. <laughs> so, Jesus' name is amazing. It's restful for me. Okay. What's rest for you? What's the stuff you just love to do? Some of you guys, you're, you're an exerciser. You actually want to go for a run and a long bike ride and hit the gym. Great. Some of us, you're like, that's torture. Don't do it. There's so much freedom in this. And again, Nicole and I, we had to take some time to even define what's rest for us. What fills our soul? And again, it's not a legalistic thing. It's just for, to give us life. Now, as we get ready to land this, Here's where a lot of questions come in. And it's something we, Nicole and I had to wrestle with so much. We have all these millions of questions that come in. So some people ask, Brian, what do I do? I got a non-traditional work schedule. You know, some of you guys, maybe you're in healthcare or whatever. You have three 12s and they rotate all the time. You got four 10s that are all over the place. We have a guy in our church. He works seven on and seven off. He's in the oil industry. So when he's on for that seven, it's intense. It's full on. He can do nothing else during the week. But then he gets seven off. That's a weird schedule. And some of us have very non-traditional lives. Like we're like, I can't do the six day one thing off thing. Here's what I would tell you. Just start where you're at. You can get in rhythm no matter what your schedule is. You can start finding a rhythm of God. Just start with what you got. I get it might be complicated, but don't let that stop you. And you might have to redefine your finish line every week because your schedule changes. Great. Just start going on that journey and see what it does. Here's what a lot of people would say, and here's how I felt this too. Brian, I got kids. And if my kids are around, I'm not resting. And I can't just stop from being a mom or a dad. I can't just lock them in a closet for a day and come back. Like, I got to do this. And I feel you on that. I got a four and a five-year-old. Not exactly restful. And some of you guys, you have teenagers, and you're like, they don't even want to talk to me. How, like, how do we even do all this stuff together? Again, I would say, just lean into the season you're in. Nicole and I, we're limited by all the things we can do on our Sabbath. It has to be accommodating to a four and a five-year-old. That limits the list quite a bit. And I'm excited for the day I can just like tell them to go do their own thing so Nicole and I can go have fun. But until then, we're creative. And you might need to be a little creative with what does this look like in my family and our rhythm and our seasons and all the demands we have going on. Last thing a lot of people would tell me is, well, Brian, there's no way I could do a full day. Didn't it say day of rest? I can't do a full day. I got too much going on. I ain't got time for that. And let me tell you, that's how I felt. I was like, there's no way I'm going to waste a day a week just sitting around being lazy. That's how I felt. I got too much going on. And what I would say is, if you really feel that way, start small. Maybe you just block a chunk out in your week. Maybe for you, like, Saturday mornings, just going to chill on Saturday morning. That's going to be my sacred, holy time where I stop. Maybe it's like a night. Again, Friday night. You take Friday night, you just chill, and you gorge, and you veg, you have a great night, and enjoy it. Maybe you have a weird schedule. It's like a Wednesday afternoon or whatever. Fine. Start where you're at, and you can work up from there. But don't let it stop you from trying. Now, 
Most sermons stop right here. We close and we say, let's all pray. And this is where I think a lot of churches do a disservice to their people. Because I want you to understand how powerful this really can be in your life. And so this is why this matters so much as we close this out. Hebrews 4, starting verse 9, says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Here's what I know just happened for a lot of us. You just went, huh? What does that mean? I don't understand. And I, I, I get it. It kind of doesn't make sense right off. This is what the writer is saying. There is a true rest coming. It is not just a day off in the week. God is preparing an eternal rest for you. There's going to be a moment in history when God will restore all of creation. He's going to renew all things. He's going to remove death and sickness and suffering, and he's going to usher in a perfect rest for all of his people. And because of what Jesus has accomplished for you, what he did on the cross where he died in your place to give you grace and forgiveness, he also died to give you rest. He died to give you rest in your soul so you could really be at peace, so you could experience the goodness of God in your life. That's why he did it. He died so you could really experience the true, timeless rhythms of God in your life, life-giving, soul-restoring rhythms. This is so powerful that then the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. You don't want to miss out on this. You want this. And so that's why Jesus is so adamant to say, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Do you see what I'm saying here? Jesus is your true Sabbath rest. He is the thing you need to hope in, not a day off. You come to him and he's like, I am going to restore you in ways you can't even imagine. But then what God does is he says, you need to get this in your life. You need to experience the rest of Jesus in your life. So I'm going to give you a way to do that. I want you one day a week to step into my rest. And this is what the Sabbath is. You take a moment where you practice for eternity. You take a moment where you stop and you open your life up to the rest of God. Rest for your soul. And you start to learn this practice and this rhythm, and every week you get a chance where you get a small taste of eternity. The very goodness of God. Rest for your soul. And can I tell you, that is what Nicole and I are starting to experience. Four years in, when I get to Sabbath, I take a day and I just go, oh, I can't wait to do this forever. I can't wait to experience God's presence and his power in ways I can't even imagine. I can't wait to experience true rest for my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for accomplishing this for me. I don't need to achieve anything. I don't need to prove anything. I have everything I need in Jesus. This is the gift of God for you.
come to Jesus. Get in rhythm with God. Because he says, there is an ultimate rest coming, but you can experience it right now. Let's pray together. Lord, this is just such a profound idea that you are a God of rest, that you are the source of rest itself, Lord, that even from the beginning of creation, you just poured this into the fabric of reality, that you made our souls for this, God, to experience you, true rest. And now, God, I just thank you for the gift that even in this life, you can call us to a rhythm that allows us to have even small tastes of the hope of eternity, to remind us of the goodness of God, to remind us of what we get to look forward to as followers of Jesus. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for accomplishing rest for us on the cross. True rest, eternal rest, rest for our souls. But Lord, I wanna pray specifically for the people in our church that are really feeling burdened down right now. Just the weight of life, responsibilities, whatever you call it, busyness, hurry, or just all the things coming up. Lord, will you please set us free from just the tyranny of our culture, of needing to achieve, of needing to accomplish, of needing to prove ourselves, of needing to trust our own strength for our own provision. Help us step into rest, Lord, and trust that you are our provider. You are the one who makes the way. You are the source of everything in our lives. And right now, you may be in this room right now, and you know that you do not have that kind of connection with Jesus. You have not come to him in the way he has invited you. And he's inviting you right now. He's saying, come to me. I want to give you rest. I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy. I want to give you what you cannot give yourself. And right now, you can come to Jesus. You can invite him into your heart. You can invite him into your life. Right now, you can pray in your own mind, Lord, I am coming to you. Jesus, give me that rest. I give you my life. I give you everything. And now I ask for you to come in my own life and transform it. And Lord, I pray for everybody reaching out to you with a genuine heart right now. Save them, Lord. Set them free. Let them experience what only you can give. And for all of us, God, I pray we would be a church that lives into your rhythm, the rhythm of rest, so we can experience rest for our souls. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.